74. Good evening. Good to be together tonight. Appreciate this time that we're able to spend in study together and in worship together. And once again, a happy Father's Day to all of our fathers and grandfathers who we have here with us. We're truly thankful for you. I don't know about you, but maybe we could make it Father's Week instead of Father's Day. I don't know if, if mothers and, and grandmothers would go for that. Uh, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 tonight, if you want to turn there. Mark chapter 4. And we're going to be picking up our study in verse number 21 and working our way to verse number 34. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 21 and work our way down to verse number 34. For those of you who don't know, Leslie and I grew up in a pretty small country congregation in Lebanon, Tennessee called Bethlehem Church of Christ. Well, I have that picture up there. It's, it's kind of neat. This is the place where Leslie and I first met when I was four and she was two. So that was a pretty long time ago. I asked her to be my girlfriend there on the right side of the steps. Then just about seven or eight years later, asked her to marry me up on the porch. Then we got married inside of the building. It's the place where we were both baptized into Jesus, so it holds some pretty special memories for us. Maybe on a good Sunday, we would have about 80 people in attendance. Usually it was somewhere in the 60 to 70 range, somewhere between those two numbers. Being so small as a teenager going through high school, it gave me a lot of different opportunities to fill in a lot of different opportunities to preach. I would preach there at least once a month. Sometimes it was two or three times a month. Every single time that I got up to preach, there was a guy who's actually one of the elders there now. He would come up to me and say the same thing. Keep it brief. Brief is the key word. You didn't keep it brief last time. You promised me that you would, so let's see if you can do it this time. Then I'd get up and preach. We'd go through the worship service. As soon as the service was over, he would come and find me. Do I need you to get a dictionary? Do, do, do you need to look up that word brief and really see what that word means? And that happened every single time. Of course, he was joking and we would always get a good kick out of it. Maybe you're realizing what he realized whenever I was a, a teenager in high school. Sometimes we just don't keep it brief. And if you tell me about it, see, so, someone has already told me about it. And apparently it didn't work. Uh, so we'll just keep moving on, I guess. But sometimes keeping it brief is a good thing. And I think that's exactly what Jesus does when we look in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, verses 21 through 34. Jesus presents to us four very brief, but also very powerful parables. Four different parables about four different topics that teach us four different lessons. Just to put that in perspective for just a minute, you think about what we talked about last week in the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 4. That is focused on just one parable. The parable of the sower. Remember, Jesus tells the parable and then He interprets it for us. He explains it for us. The first 20 verses of this chapter are dedicated to one parable. The next 14 verses... Verses 21 through 34 are divided up into four different parables that just take up a few verses apiece. 
So while Jesus is, is brief in these parables, I'll try to be as brief as I can and to go by His advice, but certainly no promises with that. Let's notice these four brief but very powerful and relevant parables that Jesus has to offer to us. The first one is oftentimes entitled the parable of the lamp. Remember the context here in Mark chapter 4. Jesus is speaking to a crowd who's standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's on a boat pushed out just a few feet from the shore. Maybe you can see that. Hopefully it's not too dim in the background there. Where Jesus is standing on the boat. He's teaching the, the crowd. You go back to the Scripture reading that we read just a few moments ago. Verse 34. It says that Jesus did not speak to them without a parable. And so Jesus is speaking to them in parable after parable. And the, first, the, the second one in the chapter, but the first one we're going to look at tonight, begins in verse number 21. Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Verse 23, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Back in this time, whenever it got dark outside, whenever nighttime came, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have flashlights. They couldn't go to the wall and flip on the light switch, and all of a sudden there would be light. Instead, they had these little oil lamps that they would light, and, and that was their source of light whenever it got dark in the first century world. When you light up your little oil lamp, what are you going to do with it? Where are you going to put it? That's the question that Jesus is posing as we look in Mark chapter 4 and verse number 21. Are you going to take your lamp and put it underneath a basket? Are you going to take your oil lamp that you just went through the process of lighting and put it under a bed? Do that, and it's going to continue to be dark in your house. Because if you light your lamp and you put it under a basket, if you light your lamp or put it under a bed, it's not going to benefit you at all. You're not going to get any light from it. Instead, you're going to continue to be in the darkness. Jesus says instead, you're going to put it where? You're going to put it on a stand. And when you put it on a stand, it gives light to everyone who's in the house. When you put it on a stand, that is the position where it's going to give the most light possible and it's going to benefit you in the best way possible. When you put it up on a stand, according to what Jesus says in verse 23, what's hidden in the darkness is going to be uncovered. What's hidden by the darkness is going to be made manifest. The room is going to be illuminated and you're going to be able to see things that the darkness was previously covering. Can you see the point that Jesus is wanting to make in this parable? I believe that this is a parable about revelation. Jesus is talking about the revelation that He's giving to the crowd on the Sea of Galilee, but also the revelation that He's giving to us whenever we read and study His words like we're doing tonight in Mark chapter 4. Jesus wants His teaching, His words, to have the same benefit in our lives that a lamp has on a dark house. Jesus isn't teaching to take it and put it under a basket. Jesus is not placing His teaching under a bed. No, Jesus wants to place His teaching on a stand so that it can impact as many people as possible. 
If you go back to Mark chapter 1 and verse 38, I think we, we always go back to this verse, but it's a verse that's so important when it comes to the ministry and the preaching of Jesus. He says, we have to go on to the next towns that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus is not teaching in secret. He's not teaching in just one city. He's not teaching just a select number of people. Jesus wants His teaching to be widely available. He wants it to be available and to be heard and understood by as many people as possible. He wants people to know His teaching, to hear His teaching, to understand His teaching, to place their faith and to place their trust in His teaching. What's the purpose? So that people can be illuminated. Just like when you take your lamp and you put it up on a stand, it uncovers what's previously hidden by the darkness. Jesus wants to uncover spiritual truths. In context, He's talking to us about the kingdom of God. He's talking to us about what the kingdom of God looks like. Before Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God that's going to come to earth in the form of the church, that was hidden. That was concealed. It was a mystery. It was a secret. But Jesus, through His teaching, is making it manifest. He's bringing it to light. He is revealing those things, not only to His first century audience, but also to us as we study His words here in Mark chapter 4. Jesus wants us to hear and understand His teaching. That's why He says in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus says, if you have ears and your ears are able to hear, then listen to my teaching. He wants it to be widely available. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? The Son of God, the Christ, the Master Teacher, God who came to earth in the flesh, wants us to hear His teaching. He wants us to understand. He wants us to place our faith in the words that He has to say. It's kind of like if we were to go out on the sports court tonight after worship services and we were to play a basketball game, usually the way that that would look, the way it would start at least, is you would have two captains. And those captains would choose the different people that they want to be on their teams. Have you ever seen a situation where a person was picked last? Neither team really wanted the person but got stuck with him or got stuck with her throughout the rest of the game? Jesus isn't that way. Jesus wants you. To hear His teaching. Jesus wants you to understand what He is saying. He's making His teaching widely available. It's what Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, that this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. What do we need to understand about God our Savior? He desires not some, but all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus wants all people to hear His teaching. He wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to come to a knowledge of the truth. To have those spiritual truths that would previously be hidden, illuminated. He wants those truths to be brought to light. He wants what would otherwise be kept in secret to be made manifest in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds. This is a parable about revelation, the parable of the lamp. Jesus wants us to know, to understand, to hear, and to place our faith in what He has to say. But then we balance that out in the second parable, what we might call the parable of the measure. In Mark chapter 4, beginning in 24, He said to them, speaking to the same crowd, pay attention to what you hear. 
With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The parable of the lamp in verses 21 through 23 appears to be about revelation. If that's the case, the parable in verses 24 and 25 is about response. Yes, Jesus wants us to hear. He wants us to know. He wants us to understand and to apply His teaching to our lives. But He also wants us to put in effort. He wants us to be diligent and knowing and understanding and applying His teachings. For instance, compare verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. With verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. Jesus says, I want you to hear my teaching, but I also want you to pay attention. I want you to understand what I'm saying, but I also want you to put some effort into understanding what I'm saying. Especially as Jesus is speaking to this crowd in parables, Jesus wants them to understand. He wants them to be enlightened, but He also desires for them to put in effort, to pay attention to be diligent in understanding His words. He says, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's language that was customary of grain contracts. Giving and receiving grain in the first century world. Jesus says, whatever you put into My teachings, that's what you're going to get out of it. The effort that you invest is the benefit that you're going to get out. And so He continues into into verse number 25, and He says, if you have, more will be given and you'll have an abundance. If you have a desire to understand what I'm saying, such a desire that you're going to put in the effort and you're going to put in the diligence to understand what I'm saying, then you're going to understand it. And you're going to receive greater understanding. You're going to receive greater perception. And when you have that greater understanding, you're going to be able to see greater spiritual truths. It's a process of growth. He says, if you don't have it though, if you don't have the desire, if you hear my teaching, but you're not going to put the effort in in order to understand it and apply it to your life, he says, you're not just going to remain the same. He says, spiritually, you're going to regress. You're not going to grow. You're not just going to stay stagnant. He says, you're going to go backwards spiritually. You're going to die spiritually if you're listening to my teaching, but you're not paying attention. If you're listening to my teaching, but you're not putting in the effort. And so if the parable in 21 through 23 is about revelation, 24 and 25 is about response. Jesus says, I want you to understand my teaching, but you're only going to understand it when you're willing to put in the effort. I'm thinking about a statement that I've said before. Maybe you've said it before too. You leave a worship service, you leave maybe a Wednesday night Bible study, you get in the car, you're talking to someone, and you say something like, you know, I, I didn't really get anything out of that tonight. I didn't really get anything out of that worship service. I didn't really get anything out of that Bible study. A question that you might need to ask yourself is how much did you put into it? If you didn't get anything out of it, how much effort? How much diligence did you put into it? Understanding what Jesus has to say and then subsequently applying that to the decisions that you make on a daily basis. Jesus says you have to pay attention. This requires some effort. This requires some diligence. He says I want you to understand what I'm saying, 
but you have to put in some effort. And when you put in that effort, you're going to get greater understanding. And when you get greater understanding, you're going to be able to, to perceive greater spiritual truths. But if you don't put in that effort, don't be surprised when you're slacking spiritually. Don't be surprised when you're not going forwards, but you're only going backwards. Whenever you're spiritually dying, He says, I want you to hear me, but I also want you to put in the effort. Parable number three, we might call the parable of the growing seed. In verses 26-29, through 29, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. These next two parables we might call kingdom parables. Jesus begins them with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he tells us the earthly story with the heavenly Meaning, Jesus is teaching to us in these two parables what the kingdom of God looks like. What the kingdom of God is supposed to do. Also, these parables are rooted in agriculture, seed being sown into the ground, which really isn't surprising because you go back to Mark 4, verses 1-20, through 20, what we talked about last week, that's what the parable of the sower is about. The four different soils that receive the same seed but yield different results. Here you have a man. He's spreading his seed, sowing his seed into the ground, and that's all that he really does. He sows his seed, and then Jesus says he goes about his daily life. He goes to bed at night, he wakes up in the morning, he lives his life normally on a daily basis, and what does the seed do? Well, it might not look at it if you were to go to it every single day and to check its growth, but... Jesus says the seed is growing. And the man doesn't really know how. He's just living his normal life. But what he does know is that the seed is, is growing. And the plant is growing. He says the earth by itself, without any help from the farmer whatsoever, the earth by itself is going to produce first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, and when it grows up to a certain point, the harvest time comes and the fruit is taken from the crop. Can you see the point that Jesus is wanting to make there? Can you see the spiritual truth in that earthly story? What's our responsibility as Christians? Our responsibility, like we talked about last week, is to sow the seed. Our responsibility is to share the Word of God with people who we come into contact with on a daily basis. And then what do we do? We go about living our normal lives. What this parable teaches us is that the kingdom is going to grow not because of what we do, but because of how powerful the seed is. The Word of God is powerful. The Gospel is powerful. When it is preached, when it is shared, when it is taught, it takes root in a person's heart and it grows. It takes root in a person's heart and it changes. It transforms that person from the inside out. Now explain to me how that happens. Explain to me how the Gospel does that. And I'm going to tell you that I have no idea. All that I know is that it does. Have you seen that happen in your own life? 
The Word of God is powerful when we sow the seed, when we share the Word of God, and it takes root in a person's heart by itself. It's going to bring about change. By itself, it's going to bring about transformation. Evangelism is not based on how clever we can be. Evangelism is not based on how entertaining we can be. Evangelism is not based on if we can string our words together very eloquently. It's not being a salesman. It's taking the pure Word of God, allowing that to come into contact with the human heart, and allowing it to do the rest. Waiting patiently for that change and transformation to come. And then ultimately, what we're looking forward to is the harvest is going to come. One day in God's timing and at God's decision, the harvest is going to come and all of His followers will be ushered into their eternal home. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And it really takes the pressure off, doesn't it? It takes the pressure off when we realize sharing the Word of God is not about us. It's not about our logic. It's not about our reasoning. It's not about how we can formulate our words and how we can formulate our thoughts. Evangelism is about allowing people's hearts to come into contact with the Word of God and allowing it to do the rest. Well, go back to Mark chapter 4, verses 1-20. through Some people aren't going to accept it. Some people are going to accept it and then shortly thereafter they're going to fall away. Some people are going to accept it and as they grow, they're going to allow other things to grow with them and because of that, they're going to be choked spiritually. But then we find those people with good and honest hearts that when they receive the Word of God, it works miracles. It causes change. It causes transformation. We don't know how it happens. We just know that it does happen. God has designed His Word to be powerful, to make a difference in our lives. We're looking forward to the harvest, but until that time comes, we're sharing the Word of God and waiting patiently as it does the rest of the work. And then the final parable that we find is the parable of the mustard seed. Beginning in verse number 30, Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? Here's what it's like. It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. The mustard seed. We know now that it's not the smallest of all seeds. They're actually seeds smaller than the mustard seed. But proverbially, in the first century world, people thought about the mustard seed and talked about the mustard seed as being the smallest of all seeds. It's pretty small, isn't it? But what happens when you put it into the ground? Oh, it starts out really, really small. But when you put it into the ground and you allow it to grow, it becomes very big. And the branches, Jesus says, And when you look in verse number 32, the branches become very large and it becomes larger than all the other garden plants and the birds of the air are able to come to this now very large tree and make their nest in its shade. The birds of the air are able to come to this tree and establish their homes. Now what's the point? What's the point that Jesus is wanting to get across to His audience, remember, this is a kingdom parable. This is what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like. 
just like the mustard seed is really small, Jesus says the kingdom of God is going to start out really small. But give it time. And when you give it time, it's going to grow to become very great. It's going to grow to become very large. We see that in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 serves really as an outline for the book. Jesus tells His apostles, you're going to be My witnesses starting in Jerusalem. It's going to be really small. But then we're going to go to the region of Judea. Then we're going to go to Samaria. Then we're going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. How many disciples are there in Acts chapter 1? About 120. I would say that we have close to that number in here tonight. It started out with 120 in Acts the first chapter, but now look at all the disciples that exist all over the world. It's a worldwide kingdom. Oh, it's going to start out really, really small. But then it's going to grow to be really, really big. And what's going to happen? Just like the birds of the air are able to make their homes in the mustard tree, Jesus says people are going to make their homes in this kingdom. It's going to be the place where, settled, where people settle down. It's going to be a place of permanence. It's not just going to be a temporary place where people come and go and you step into it and then you step out of it. No, He says it's going to grow to become very large and when it grows to become very large, people are going to settle down there and they're going to make their home in this great kingdom. Again, isn't that amazing to think? The same kingdom that Jesus is talking about in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark is the same kingdom that we are blessed to be a part of. It's the kingdom that He invites us into. It started out small, but it's became great. And because it has become great, we have the opportunity to make our home in it. Have you made your home in the kingdom of God? We just sang a song a few minutes ago, I shall not be moved. Are you planting your feet in Jesus and saying, I'm not going to be moved? Is this a place of permanence for you? Are you going to stay in this kingdom even when things get difficult in your life? Even when there's strife? Even when your feelings get hurt? Even when persecution happens? It starts out small and it becomes great so that we can make our nest in its shade. What a blessing it is to make our nest in the shade of Jesus' kingdom. Four brief parables, but yet they're powerful parables. They're different, yet they teach us amazing lessons. The parable of the lamp teaches us about how Jesus desires us. He wants us to hear His message. He wants us to understand His message. The parable of the measure talks about response. It talks to us about the effort that we have to put in and the effort that Jesus wants us to put in in order to understand and apply His words in our lives. The parable of the growing seed teaches us about the seed. The Word of God, the Gospel, the good news. It shows us how powerful it is. The power that it has to change and transform people completely on its own. And the parable of the mustard seed teaches us that the kingdom of God started out really small, but it's become great. And because it's become great, you and I have the opportunity to make our home in this worldwide kingdom. Jesus is the master teacher. What kind of relevance do these parables have in your life? 
Jesus wants you to hear His message and to apply His message. Are you putting in the effort in order to do that? Not just in our assemblies, not just when we're studying together, but when you're sitting with your copy of God's Word and you're contemplating your life as you come face to face with Scripture, are you putting in the effort and the diligence that's required to understand what Jesus wants you to understand? Are you growing in understanding? Are you coming to understand greater spiritual truths? Do you realize the power of this book? The power that this book has to change people's lives. Are you sharing the Word of God based on that understanding? Taking the pressure off of yourself and realizing like God says in the book of Jeremiah, my Word is not going to return to me void. Have you made your home in the kingdom of God? Is this the place where you're going to stay? Tonight, you have the opportunity to do that, to make your home in the kingdom of God. You have the opportunity to come back to God's kingdom and to...